It is 12.28 p.m. in the Mid-South area. Good afternoon. It's Monica with Unradio Radio. And there's like so much going on with Pokemon Go, but today is just really a hard day for me. Today is, or what would have been my father's 72nd birthday. And it's just really hard when you're a daddy's girl. Have the whole story. I put it back up on Snapchat um, of exactly what happened. Um, he he had turned 64, and then he died like just a month and a couple of days later. And my stepmother, at the time after he died, told me that he had said, "I'm going to die at the same age my father was." And my grandfather in 1977, of course, was 64. And I was just a little girl, I think I was three, and I have very vague memories, um, but October, my daughter, she was a little bit older, but she doesn't have, um, too many memories, and really, she only knew her papa being sick, um, my father was an alcoholic daily, um, that's how he dealt with his issues, his demons, his depression, uh, he did not really talk about things. Uh, he was, he liked to be happy. He just liked, he liked entertaining. He liked, ha- he liked having people over. He liked telling stories of the glory days. And you could really see that he wished those days were still around. And you know what? I feel that now too. I really want to go back so bad. Um, time flies. It's just really sad what happened to him, you know, is he had bronchitis, he had been sick, something was wrong, he was refusing to go to the doctor, <laughs> and then his lung collapsed, and my stepmother, I, I envision it like this, you know, she's pointing her finger going, ha, you can't do anything, I'm calling 911, and they were in Sterling, Virginia at the time, and so there was... Um, it was winter and there was a blizzard going on and they were snowed in. And so luckily the neighbor across the street, he had a plow connected to his, uh, big old truck and he plowed away and the ambulance came and took my dad. So he had fluid build up. He had bronchitis. He was also a two pack a day smoker of like the hard stuff. (laughs) Like I think like was a marble red for a while and then Winston uh, full flavor so that's you know that's kind of an excess I smoke and I shouldn't smoke and so his body was not really prepared for the tumor they found when he went for a six-month checkup from um, I'm sorry that was pneumonia he they thought he had bronchitis <clears throat> excuse me but it was severe pneumonia and he came out of it they they had to drain his lung and then when you know you got to go back I had pneumonia I was very shocked I got it at an early age and it scared me to death because you don't you hear about how the elderly you know wind up getting pneumonia from a cold and dying and I'm sorry uh, it's just a scary thing, especially when you have chronic stress. And so, there, 
therefore your immune system sucks no matter how many vitamins you try to remember to take every day but moving on just to make it short he went back for six months they found a tumor on his throat it appears to run in our family my grandmother had one removed no problem never came back um, now my dad's cousin uh, Suzanne she had problems with cancer uh, just so bad and her mother died of cancer as well but she has survived every time. I mean there's been ma- the major cancers a woman gets breast cancer and <clears throat> ovarian and just the throat tumor in the family she thought she even had that but um so my dad had my dad wound up getting that it's 98 percent curable it's no problem right so this was the time of hmos and the big loophole in the hmo is that if they do anything wrong you can't see them that was a that was a big thing in the 90s early 90s um the switch to hmo God bless, anyway. Um, I just can't... It's just... Because I do logistics, and because I think in cause and effect, and I think logically, and, you know, I have a little bit of hyper-awareness as well from the chronic stress and PTSD. Thank you very much. But um, it's not all that it seems like it would be cracked up to be. Uh, But it just... See, sorry, <laughs> I'm driving into work at the same time. It just kills me when logistics fail, when people have no common sense, and just like you're just sitting there dumbfounded as you're listening to how they screwed up your father and overradiated him and gave him too much chemo because they did the chemo radiation attack which is very, very lethal and very dangerous. And really, for a 98% curable tumor, I mean, they just cut it out of my grandmother. I mean, really. I'm not, I'm just still, see, I'm not, I can't. Because I'll lose all sensibility, and it'll drive me mad. And then I'll, and I can't walk in to this job. <laughs> Sorry. I just, yeah, I don't need to go there. So, they basically screwed him up, blew out his saliva glands, created so much scar tissue, his throat eventually closed up. He wound up aspirating, um, you know, liquids he was drinking um, into his lungs. And this, he spiked fevers on and off for four years. And my stepmother would beg every time, please please, please, please give him uh, something that's called like a string test, and it's where you have to go. They basically find out how open your esophagus is. And they use the like yarn measurement system or something. I don't know. But They finally did, I mean, because this was four years, and basically found that his throat was barely open. Like, imagine um, a string of yarn and trying to put it into a very, very small hole. So that's why he was, like, practically choking all the time on food. He wouldn't give up eating food. 
it was really sad um, to watch him go through all that. And he already um, had lost his hearing uh, due to an, a genetic disorder that messes with the nerve itself and turns words into just um, like the white noise. And he got the cochlear implant. So he's sitting there, only can hear with the cochlear implant. And he's refusing to give up food. They finally figured out his esophagus had too much scar tissue. They then proceeded to try and put a feeding tube into his stomach. And they blew it out. They blew his freaking stomach out. So then they had to, in turn, put some, put a feeding tube made for the stomach into his intestines. And so, you know, because it wasn't made for that and seemed to be jerry-rigged and nobody could come up with anything else along the way because it's HMO and it's like just, oh my God just whatever. I said I wasn't going to get into it, and I'm not going to. Um, so every three months, this balloon in this feeding tube would slide, you know, it would just go bad, go wrong. It just would happen, because I kept, that's the answer I got when I said, why does this keep happening? He would have to be taken to an emergency room, like, every three to four months, uh, because the acid from his intestines would leak out and give him third-degree burns. So, you know, dealing with that is, you know, and then the pain and hit the liquid diet, and it just was no good for his libido. He did stop drinking, um, finally. Um, but his body wasn't, it wasn't prepared uh, to handle any of that to his drinking um gosh I was told he had been drinking and I got pictures with uh beers in his hands since he was like 16 but he would go through a beer and then a liquor phase and it when he was unemployed really got bad he would start in the morning and I'd try to take care of him but Anyway, he was a great man. Um, he raced cars. He built sprint cars here locally in Memphis with a guy that I can only remember as Harry C. And Harry C. built sprint cars for the World of Outlaws. And, um, oh my God, the dude's name just slipped my mind instantly. I can, it's my favorite driver. Oh my God, Swindell, Sammy Swindell. So, Sammy Swindell um, was like 14 years old, sitting on these uh, big race car, big race tires stacked in the garage over at Harry C's. Well, Harry C and my dad would be working on his dad's, Sammy's dad's sprint car. Uh, then my dad and I ran into Sammy Swindell at a hotel in Little Rock, and he had, his daughter was just a baby. And my dad carefully approached him and said, I know you don't remember me, but, you know, told him what I just told y'all. And he said, oh, my God, yeah. And it was really cool. Um, but th it was late, though. We didn't want to 
keep them up and ask for autographs and all that. So we just let him get to his room. But nonetheless, um, you know, by the age of seven, due to the fact that he was a, went to the Air Force as well and was a pilot, we had a plane in the family, a four-seater Cessna. And um, I found that Cessna. It still has the flag, the last paint job that my dad did on it. Of course, it looks like they've had it freshened up, but it's it's the same thing. It looks like a waving flag. <laughs> oh, my Lord. In the 80s, it was that gross tan and white color. Uh, but I found it online using its call numbers. And I had a little log book and a flight suit my grandmother had sewn for me. And, uh Okay, so now I'm reminiscing and not really getting to the point. So basically, um, the treatment almost killed him. He slowly died of radiation poisoning for 10 years. And it was horrible to watch. And it was just horrible to see him go through it. And I was there at the hospital. Something told me to go up there. And when I got up there, I found out someone had given him a sponge bath and thought it'd be great to lift him up because he had fallen and it broke his ribs so let's just go pushing up a man that has broken ribs so of course his lung got pierced then he's got tubes coming out of him I found out he had been resuscitated already like five times I'm like this is ridiculous so then I get pulled into the family room and they made me make the decision my stepmother put it on me because she said that maybe she was being selfish. I really think she just didn't want to make the decision. I looked at the doctors and I said, my father has a DNR. My father made it clear he did not want chest, you know, tubes and just things coming out of him. He did not want to live that way. It's been, it's why, why is this, why do I have to confirm something he's already written and stated? And they said, okay. And I really didn't know what that was meaning because I go back into the room and we're just, you know, I'm holding his hand. And I just remember putting a lot of energy and into like, just please hear me. If you have to go, then go. If you have to go, then go. It'll be okay. And just... I just remember trying to focus that into my touch when I was holding his hand. And then all of a sudden, he went from laboring to breathe to just not. And this fluid that was in this one tube just stopped going back and forth. And I look at the monitors and nothing's beeping. All these question marks are there. And all these people suddenly were around us, but their heads were down. And I looked at one doctor and I was like, wait a minute, is he dead? And the doctor said that he was in the process of dying. And I was like, well, wait, why isn't anyone doing anything? Oh, because I just told y'all to honor his DNR. Okay. Damn it. It's like when you when you want to say, hey, I take that back. But I knew I couldn't. So that happened September 13th. We let him go. And um, nothing has been the same. And I really miss him. 
And I'm so honored that I had a dad who really wanted a boy, but didn't discriminate. I am a gearhead's daughter. By the age of seven, I knew how to race a car. I have my dad's 72 Chevelle. Um, I knew how to fly a plane. Couldn't even reach the rudders. Uh, and I knew how to drive a car. And by 10, I was driving my dad around Houston, Texas, because I didn't want to, you know, die because he was drunk. <sighs> Hanging his head out the window, trying to get me into a strip joint. Oh my God, my dad was so much fun, which is probably why I am the way I am. I'm just a big kid at heart. And I've just learned a lot listening to his stories and watching everything that happened to him and helping to take care of him. And just like a, nothing, nothing's been the same. And it's just, I really miss him. And I just wish he was here. So, today is a hard day. Indeed. The, one of the best memories I have is my dad. I have was like four or five. And he would walk up to me in this big house that was out him where I live now but what at the time none of that stuff was there um country wood and him and my mom had built the house mostly all that they could do themselves they did my dad was a civil engineer and he used to tell people that of everything he's built I was his best design so I'm so rich for having him in my life and everything that he taught me. But at the same time, I'm still just as sad and just wish he was here to do all those things for October. But my memory is him walking up to me and he would get down on one knee and he had this classic um, acoustic guitar that I have still in his hand and he just strummed it once and I knew exactly what song he was fixing to play. So I would like to play this song in honor of my dad's birthday. Happy birthday, dad. I really, really miss you. You have no idea. No idea at all. <laughs>